This is Wednesday, and you know what that means. A-E-W-T-F. What does that mean? And how many people on the roster do the Destroyer? Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to put over the PWG library. I just think that people got fooled by the blood and girls bleeding. Oh, man, those guys are awesome. Hello, it is the A-E-W-T-F podcast, and you know what that means. Uh, we're here to talk about I'm Cash, and I am joined this week by the Omega Aaron Draven and Jason Taylor. Uh, we have no Tim this week. He is unable to make it, so uh, there's going to be a lot less penis talk, I think, this episode. Boo! <laughs> we just lost a ton of viewers since you said that right off the front. Yeah, uh, I, w- I did not make the last episode with you guys, and I went back and listened to it. And I would, you know, I would say 65% penis talk, a little bit of wrestling talk, and then just a bunch of name dropping. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the Vince Russo strategy to get uh, your podcast (laughs) listeners up. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Dicks, bro. Dicks. Uh, So a couple things off the top I wanted to kind of get to was I just saw, I don't know how long ago this came out you guys already might have talked about it uh but chris jericho said that they weren't really doing aew production meetings until recently i did not do that i saw that yeah i saw him say that which is mind-boggling to me but it makes sense right like that i'm not uh, i'm not 100 sure he meant that the way he said that because I swear a couple of the being the elite things had like references to the production meetings and stuff. They didn't show them, but they said they happened and they had to be there a day early for the production meeting. Maybe what he meant is more like the agents weren't getting together and meeting. Right. Because yeah, because he said they're trying to cut down on like same things happening over and over again, back to back. So uh, there, and there is, there was a lot of that. So, I mean, hopefully I think some of the stuff I point out a lot of times is just production stuff. Right. If they're really having solid meetings for that, that would explain a lot. It would. I, it would boggle my mind, though, if they really didn't do any for the first year and a half of a national TV show. It makes it more impressive, honestly, if they were just winging it. Yeah, true. Uh, and then the other little piece of uh, wrestling, not news, but uh, happenings. Did you guys happen to catch the second part of the Brian Pillman uh, Dark Side of the Ring? I yes. only saw the first half. Okay, well... Don't tell me how it ends. Oh, oh. Awkward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I saw they have Collision in Korea, which I'm super interested in watching because that's... Nobody ever talks about that, but I really enjoyed the Pillman one. Uh, Jason... I'll check it out. Oh, I'm definitely gonna I, watch it. I, I was shocked at how I was shocked at how in part one how disarrayed his home life was even before he left WCW. Having his yeah. first uh, child's mother kill herself. Yeah, I didn't know about that. That was that was news to me. Like that was yeah. That that's the kind of stuff that everyone would know as common knowledge in this day and age because of right. technology. But back then, like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, I didn't create this joke. I saw it from somewhere on the internet, but I would like to state for the record that I really enjoyed Melanie Pillman uh, playing Wendy in the Breaking Bad series. 
She yeah. looks rough. Uh, it's felt. I mean, uh, there was parts I would like feel bad for. There were parts where I was just like, I, I you know, think she was an awful person. Just back and forth. But man, right. that whole family has just had it had it rough. Uh huh. But awesome that Brian Pillman Jr. has made it to you know AEW. He's on. He's on the episode we're going to be talking about today. Actually, we're going to be talking about two episodes today because we uh, were unable to record for the April 28th edition of Dynamite. We blame that all on uh, Vance because he's not here to defend himself, even though it had nothing to do with him. 100% his fault. Yep. Completely. There's no way he would have been able to uh, hold a conversation to do it that evening. That is is fact. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, it was. A, we had a good time. Uh, plans didn't quite work out the way they were supposed to, but we still, uh, you know, we we had a good time. We made it. Three fourths of us had a good time. The other fourth of us did not have apparently a good weekend. So no, no. I mean, uh, I'm uh, ugh. happy Mother's Day. All the moms that don't call the police on their severely disabled brother, claiming that he's trying to kill her. But you know, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, to all the other ones, ha- happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so, guys, I cannot find my notes for the April 28th. Raven's going to kind of uh, take it should, over. Should, should I do my, my best Vance and, like, purposely miss things because he does all the time? Right. Just <laughs> get straight to the main event. We start with Brian, Pay- or Brian Cage versus Adam Page. Too many rhyming names. And they started with a whole big brawl where he's jumped before the bell and they – Brian Cage did the outside-in powerbomb from the apron into the ring to Page, which was a sweet little visual. Yeah, I like the power. The powerbomb was awesome. The powerbomb on the on the uh, yeah the entrance ramp was brutal looking. Uh, yeah, definitely. I I I was also excited about the refs making sure that as they broke up the big brawl at the beginning, they made sure everyone went back through the right tunnel. <laughs> Right. You go that way. No, you have to go that way. Good eye. The uh, finishing stretch in this was fucking sweet. The Adam Page went for the buckshot lariat straight into an Mm -hmm. F5 and then a couple power bombs into the drill claw. Just really smooth. Yeah, I thought the match was really good. I was really worried they were going to have Adam Page come back and win after, you know, all the shit that took the beginning. Uh, Go ahead. Brian Cage still looked overwhelmingly, even without like the jump from behind, it looked like he would have been able to handle himself. But this leaves like the, you know, the question of even Excalibur even straight up asking, like, could Brian Cage have won if it wasn't for what happened at the beginning? I think we all have PTSD from the way that WWE books. Like, this was booked so opposite of how WWE does it. Like, there's this pre match <laughs> brawl to the baby face and oh, he's just going to overcome all the odds because that's what they always do. But no, the jacked giant heel fucking destroyed him. Almost almost like a squash match, exactly how a logical match should have played out. Um, I, I had a couple. So they went out of their way to say going in, every single promo uh, or every of the videos, um, the logo stuff in the corners all showed that Taz and Starks were going to be in his corner. Like, they just kept pushing and pushing it. And then I guess since there was a brawl at the beginning, they're like, no, you got to go to the back too. But then it was never mentioned about him not being there after they went out of their way to continually show he was going to be out there the whole time too. 
I can probably speak on that from a graphics guy point of view. Uh, you can it's tell the graphics graphic. guy anything you want on the graphic, but then when they start laying out the match in the back 50 minutes before the show starts and everything changes. Um, uh, and is Cage still the uh, FTW champion? And does that belt even show up even just being carried on TV anymore? I actually thought with him winning, they were going to go with uh, Kenny versus Cage at the pay-per-view just to get another belt on the Kenny. Well, and that's why I made my note was because if that's what it is, now he's the number one contender, and so that would be another belt. Honestly, I think the way they did it, they uh, they needed Paige to not be the number one contender anymore. That was the whole purpose for this match. He gets a loss. He slides down the rankings a little bit because they weren't ready to do Omega yeah. and Paige yet at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think that's pretty – that's a good call. Moving on then, we next had an elite promo with uh, the Young Bucks looking ridiculous, as always. I think this is the one where they're in the back, state, the back of a limo, maybe? Yeah, but, they were in uh, the back of a limo, and Carl Anderson has no pants on for some reason. Well, I mean. Got to be free, baby. How many times <laughs> have you rode in a limo and wore pants? That's what I want to know. Seriously. Um, it's a good point. One, <laughs> and one rule only in limos. No pants. <laughs> Just basic douchey heel stuff. It's not like original, but it's really working for me because it's playing all these guys' strengths. But uh, that led right into the Young Bucks versus the Seidels, Mike and Matt, right? Mike and Matt, yes. Yeah. A non-title match, which I actually like that they do this. Non-title matches, and then they generally don't have the champs lose because they're the champs. They shouldn't be losing ever until they lose the belts. Right. Yeah, I, I like the fact non-title and I mean you should have to earn I mean I don't know where the side L's fall in the rankings but people should be getting random title shots so and then like you said they actually usually have the champions still win non-title that's another WWE thing I hate like if it's a non-title right. can't win so like well the champions and then JR, during commentary, at one point, one of the Seidel's gets a near fall, and he just starts yelling, he beat him, he beat him, which I think just adds to the whole, oh, well, maybe they can beat them in this non-title, and then they'll move on to face them at some point. Uh, or JR was just reading the wrong script or whatever, but it came across well. My new gimmick on here, I guess, is name-dropping old stories that have to relate to me because I can only care about shit that relates to me. But uh, So <laughs> Apollo Cruz. And I were chosen to have a match at that Dragon Gate tryout that me and Vance talked about last episode. But the third guy they picked was actually Mike Seidel. So he oh. was in a six-man scramble. But the reason I bring this up is I'd just like to point out uh, 66% of all the people at that tryout that got picked are now on national TV. <laughs> I would do the other 33%. Well... Anyways. <laughs> There was a uh, really fucking dope counter to the Meltzer driver in this match, but then they followed it up with this really ugly-looking double Meteora, the double knee gimmick, where they yeah. came off the ropes together, and it just looked super cheesy. Yeah, I feel like it really took the uh, impact out of it when, like, the two guys barely, like, go down with them. They kind of, like, they're already moved off of them before they land. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't think this was much that. There was a bunch of stuff in it that I – Hold on. Was there a Young Bucks match in the in the episode Blood and Guts? No. No. Okay. So it was this then. Uh, it, like I just, it's more of the. Hey, did you guys know the Young Bucks are heels now? The whole match. Right. 
beating us over the head with the fact that the Young Bucks were heels now. Uh, there was way too much Matt Jackson, like, over the top. Like, look at me. Look at that guy now. Right. Stop staring at the camera. Like, did you see that? Just in case you weren't paying attention, that was something that I wouldn't have done two weeks ago. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this match. I like the Seidel's a lot, uh, especially, I mean, Matt Seidel's amazing. So it was fun to watch some of the spots, but overall, I do not, I remember not being a big fan. The uh, biggest takeaway from this for me is they brought out the old uh, New Japan where they ice them down with the ice bags and spray the icy hot bullshit on them after the match just oh. to be over the top fucking douchebags. Um, so SCU comes out at the end of the match and. Everyone always just talks straight to Matt. Like, Callus's whole thing was, Matt, you're not the guy you used to be. Uh, they came out, and they literally just talked to him while Nick just stands there with his head down. Like, cause he, can he just not talk? Or do they not trust him with a mic? <laughs> Any clues? It always does. Uh, like, not. Know. He's just sort of there. Like, yeah, I noticed the same thing. It's always Matt. But Matt... Uh, Definitely the more uh, charismatic of the right. I had the theory where they're just two halves of the same person. They both really like Shawn Michaels and Matt <laughs> like the melodramatic bullshit. Nick just like the spots, so Nick doesn't even want to partake <laughs> in the angles. Yeah, because I mean, Nick, like I remember there was a match. I think it was one of the first episodes we did where I think I said something about Nick. I don't like Matt being the better worker or whatever, but like, I guess I was pretty wrong about that because Nick is pretty damn incredible. Right. Nick's the spotty one. Matt's the melodramatic one. Yeah. All right. And then, then we move on to a Jade promo. That was like one minute. Meh. Just moving on past that. Next is orange Cassidy versus Penta with uh, his little Chihuahua Alex. And I do want to note, they both came out of the face tunnel at the beginning of this match. Okay. But I think Penta was basically working heel the whole time. It's weird because uh, I think they were all heels out there. You got Orange Cassidy ends up winning with a punch with the microphone. Oh, yeah. Alex, Alex and Trent interfered. The first three or four minutes of the whole match was full-on Tennessee haha with them just playing with the glove and doing the fucking hands-in-the-pocket bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing I liked about the match is that they, like – they both have their weird hand shit they do, so they used it and like played off of it in the match. Like I, I guess that's like the biggest compliment. But they remember her, but and we all know that uh, hand stuff stopped being fun after high school. But uh, <laughs> uh, one, uh, one thing I noticed here, uh, old man Jrism. So at one point he's getting real excited talking to Tony, and he called him Connie, which is what he calls Conrad <laughs> on his podcast. So he mixed mm-hmm. up Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. <laughs> Everybody's interchangeable to JR. Right. Uh, there was one spot during this match. Orange Cassidy goes for a suicide dive, and Penta just catches him in a press slam spot, which was really fucking cool. Yeah, that spot was bad. I do remember I had that in my notes that I lost. But, yeah, that spot was awesome, I thought. Uh, and what, what happened to Orange Cassidy before the match? His back? was all jacked up before the match started. They talked about it as the match went on, like it was from the match. But that, like, the, his one side of his face was all red at the start of the match. Uh, Apparently, during the dark tapings, maybe he uh, got a little roughed up. 
either that or I don't remember what he did on the previous Dynamite, but they taped him Wednesday, Thursday, so it was just a day after. Okay. Yeah, yeah, or maybe like a backstage promo if they did anything. Mm. Uh, next, we had a Britt Baker promo, which was, you know, just complaining about the rankings, but then we have the in-ring promo of the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. I think they called this the Parlay, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, I figured out. So the parlay, uh, because I felt it, because the only parlay I've ever saw written down was P-A-R-L-A-Y. This one's P-A-R-L-E-Y. So I Googled it thinking the production messed up. But a parlay with the E in it is basically, yeah, two rival factions coming together to discuss, like, the rules of war. That they're about to enter, so, so it's an old timey eighteen hundreds word that uh, Jericho only knows because he's old as shit. Maybe so. And Jericho, like he apparently loves, so. But uh, yeah, this was this was really fucking good. I agree. With- yeah, I I wish that the Pinnacle were still wearing the suits and going with that gimmick. They just kind of came out like they went from being the uniformed, where the Four Horsemen were Evolution were were those people, which to me means if you're just doing a promo and it's not going to end in a scrap, even if it's going to, you should be dressed to the nines always. Uh, but but everything that was said was fantastic. Um, Sammy basically saying "f you Spears," no one cares about you. We should get him on the show at some point. <laughs> um, and then Dax's um, promo was excellent. Also, um, they don't give them enough time. I don't think on the mics they're probably not going to be getting much time being in a group with MJF. But um, the little bit that he was able to speak was good. I agree. I only have two notes for this one. Now, they did the weird thing where security for Pinnacle and then they had motorcycle guys come out for the inner circle. The one motorcycle guy parked about three inches from the fire and the pyro, which was real weird <laughs> seeing him trying to drop his bike. But the only other note I have is this segment was straight fucking money because it was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really needed after the promo from the episode before where Jericho tried to be too much comedy. Yeah, thought- his show tunes right. bullshit. This, cutting out all that bullshit. So, yeah, great fucking promo work from everybody involved. The bike guy that you're talking about distracted me from part of it, though, because he was honestly shot. And at first, I was like, who the fuck's that random dude standing back there? Because I missed it. <laughs> so I was like, why is there just a random biker guy hanging out? They had their own security entrances, but like commentary pretty much didn't even speak about it. So it's just this. Weird shit going on in the background that they didn't explain whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little thrown off for a minute, and I figured out what was going on. Then we went from one of the best promo segments to uh, Eddie Kingston promo segment that you would think would be amazing, but fucking sucked, in my opinion. The uh, old, uh, him and Nakazawa, and then they get uh, him down, and they're... The off. best part Kenny was down. the Dragon Master himself, Brandon Cutler, when he comes out, I'm pretty sure it was Shivani. He just goes, oh, Christ. <laughs> like, this guy again? <laughs> yeah. I just, I didn't that, understand this because they had Kenny laid out forever while they're talking about wanting to hurt him and needing a match to do it. But, like, why beg for a chance to beat up a guy instead of just beating him up when you already have right. him in the pit? 
They care about the rules. Uh, fucking Moxley and Kingston care about the rules? <laughs> well, <laughs> I did like how uh, my favorite part of it was the exchange between Kingston and uh, Kenny Omega where Kingston puts the chair on Nakazawa's ankle, mm-hmm. neck, or whatever he did. Yeah, his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. Kingston's like, if you don't come out here and fight me, I'm going to break his ankle. And Kenny's like, you're going to break his ankle? And then comes back to Kingston. Yeah, I'm going to break his ankle. And Kenny, okay, so you're going to break his ankle. Like, I love that it was like this dumb bullshit little back and forth. And like, okay, go ahead. We have other minions. Like, I love that Kenny's basically like the uh, every movie, 80s, 90s action movies. He is Steven Seagal. <laughs> Seagal's the enemy in every movie. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of like that. But, yeah, the prom- the segment overall was just kind of some dumb shit for your world champion to be involved in. Then we move on to a Taz and Christian promo where they're backstage, basically just summarizing what's going on with the angle without it really feeling like them holding your hand. But they did a pretty good job summarizing what's going on. Yeah, it just felt like a promo to like make sure you don't forget that, hey, this is a thing that's happening. We're going to eventually get to it. We don't have a crazy We're war. We're people and we have a story. Don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to uh, Penelope the- Ford versus Chris Statlander. Who is it? Uh, Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. I don't – was this – it was kind of just a squash, wasn't it? Uh, It went a little bit longer than a squash, but I don't have too many notes. The only thing I really have is uh, I didn't like how Statlander hit her finish, which is really sick, like reverse tombstone, but they were more worried about filming what Orange Cassidy was doing on the outside during the finish. Yeah, There was a a missed blockbuster during the match that was just straight danger. Okay. Like, Penelope Ford, like, came off the rope and just, I basically front did a senton in front (laughs) of Statlander instead of being able to go over her to get her neck. Well, she is tall for a woman. I guess. Um, (laughs) And I I have a note which makes me want to go back to watch part of this match since it's been two weeks now. That says Ford did a spin on the apron to a forearm and then an over the top double knee. Did she try? Does anyone remember? Is that what she tried yes. to do one other time during the match and it got cut off? So then she came back and did it again. Yep. The first I, I remember you saying that because I did have a note about how the first time it looked really fucking weird and out of place. But then once she hit it the second time, I erased that note because it made sense. Yeah. Okay. That And that was that was all I had on that match. <laughs> I mean, it was a solid match for the AEW women's division, but nothing special or anything. Right. Uh, then we get a nice UFC-style 10 promo for 30 seconds for some reason. Uh, then we move on to Cash's favorite story, the Nightmare family versus the Factory. And the Factory decide to show up on a on a stolen bus for some reason. <laughs> yeah, a bus that I've never seen before. I don't know if that was ever a part of a storyline or we were just supposed to assume because it says has... Uh, Cody's logo on the side of it, that that's what they drive around their six trainees in. Well, tune in to uh, On the Roads Again, or whatever the fuck the name of the show oh, right. is on TNT. The, that's Ms. not Ms. the name, Ms. but it should be. Ms. Ms. and Mrs. Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed that was the name. I assumed you were actually 
saying the name of the show. I didn't know what it was. No, I think it's Roads to the Top, and I don't know why I know that, but On the Roads Again sounds a lot better, if you ask me. I'm right. So there's one thing I've learned from those reality shows. Every season, they're going to live in a different mansion and talk about how hard it is to live in a different mansion every year. Uh, <laughs> so On the Roads Again sounds good, because they're always packing. Well, all right. There we go. So is there a map now? <laughs> I do not remember. There was a six-man tag, if I remember right, that had QT... Camarado and Bailey's ex fiance versus uh, old man Billy Gunn, old man Dustin Rhodes, and uh, random uh, big shoddy, big shoddy Lee Johnson. Lee Johnson. I don't like that. No, <laughs> you don't like that. You don't like big shoddy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that at all. No, I mean because if 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 I go and get my car worked on and I get it back and I'm like, man, that was a bit shoddy then I'm probably saying they didn't do the work right or that it was a lot cheaper than it needed to be. So what is this guy saying about himself with this nickname? He's a big shot, big shoddy. Yeah. Mm. B-I-G and then shoddy. (laughs) Well, all I know is whenever he goes up against Max Caster, it's clearly going to be in the intro rap that big shoddy is a bit shoddy. And if it's not, oh, I am going there and fighting someone. That is way weak. You could do big shoddy, smells like a porta potty. Like, come on, there's way better than that. No, not for Max Caster. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn had his ribs taped in this match, and I had no reason why until uh, they brought up that uh, English boxer man gave him punch to the belly last last time, right? <laughs> Who Billy Gunn? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the governor gets you, and it's all over. The governor. How could I forget? Hello, governor. I did like uh, there was one spot where Dustin tagged in. He's in there with Camarado, and they're really, really milking it and building up to him being able to knock Camarado down. He's like hitting the ropes, shoulder tackle, shoulder tackle. He's building up all this momentum, and then just he never gets him down. So it really, it's one of those things where they almost always get the big guy down. So it stood out that he didn't get Camarado down. Yeah, because back in the day when a guy was a big dude, you're trying to get that over. Yeah, you could run into him all. He wasn't going to bump. So, mm-hmm. yeah, nowadays they want to cut right to it. First match, we'll go ahead and let him bump. Uh, I I only had one note that was actually work-related in this match, and all my others were about um, costumes and graphics and logos. Uh QT Marshall blocks every single punch that was thrown to him when they were on the outside when they did the – kind of scramble there at the beginning where everyone kind of paired off like at no point did it look like he was even trying to get hit like maybe they don't have the camera on me so i we can just house show this like forget about it you're not getting near me um that's a pet peeve of mine if i'm ever working a match with somebody and they mail it in because they think something nobody can see or whatever on the outside i hate that shit yeah we we did get to see the uh the factory's new logo it looks kind of triple threadish um ECW fans, um, and and then Dustin didn't get the note that the factory's color is blue because he came out wearing blue, but all of them were in blue and white. So maybe that's he's going to heel turn. This is how I'm fantasy booking it. <laughs> he's going to turn on his brother again. Um, Nick's Nick's tassels are way too long on his arm. Watch some warrior footage and cut those in half. Those just uh, so, unless you're going to be super. Ever. 
super heel and go ahead and like wrap them around someone's throat. Um, you know, some use them as a weapon if you're going to have um three foot long arm tassels hanging off of now. I want to be like 12 feet long and they drape out of the ring while he's wrestling, even better. Um, I did think that the match could have been finally like because I still know nothing about these three guys other than one's big and hairy, uh, one's not, and the other guy throws one punch, but instead it ended up still being more about QT when they could have used that to highlight them going over big shoddy um, or one of the veterans, they could have used that to further one of these other guys in this group that I'm supposed to care about, even though I don't know anything about any of them. Like usually if you want to start a faction, you got at least one guy that you're like, I have a reason to care or completely hate this guy. QT not wanting to uh, work for his boss anymore because he feels like he's overlooked. I mean, that's Stone Cold's gimmick, right? So, that's right. I said it. QT Marshall is 2021 Stone Cold Steve Austin. You uh, heard it here first. Is there a mute button for Jason? Does it uh, change your mind if I tell you that the end of the segment had Cody Rhodes putting QT in the figure four on top of a bus for some reason? Um, you mean the bus that they just drove there on? Yes. That's <laughs> T. Marshall walked over to, looked inside, and saw Cody Rhodes for a solid twenty seconds <laughs> before Cody. Oh, it must just be some other six-three fucking bleach blonde-haired man. It can't be, can't be the guy that owns the bus. Yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah. I thought this entire segment was pretty bad. I, I just, we'll talk about it more during the Blood and Guts episode. But I, I, Cody, it's the same as the Young Bucks for me, Cody just comes across as a piece of shit all the time. So that's I, that's unfortunate because at least the young bucks are heels. Cody's portraying like, a face, I believe. Yeah, so like in the young bucks case, it was always my whole thing's just been like, well yeah, the heel turn isn't I thought been heels. With Cody, right. I have trouble looking at QT Marshall as too much of a heel because Cody is kind of a dick. <laughs> I'm I'm on board with you, but I mean I can't I can't fully back somebody that's got the QT Marshall comb over. <laughs> yeah. From uh, this, we move on to Miro and Kip Sabian finally having their confrontation in the back, which is ends up being a violent fucking beatdown of Kip. <laughs> and uh, then Miro, when Miro leaves after the beatdown, he just says, "Good talk." <laughs> uh, I I love this. Kip deserves a bonus. For this week, yeah, he he's with Penelope. That's bonus enough. That's true. Right. Uh, yeah, he bumped his ass. I don't know if he it may have just been. It might have been Miro. Might have just been throwing him around legitimately, and he might. Yeah, he may not have had a choice in the matter. But it looked fucking great. Miro getting like the the arm at the door was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miro like getting down next to him and like telling him it's okay. I fuck. Wait, you did yeah. what now? Yeah, cut up. I fucked. <laughs> uh, you fucked. I said with Miro, like, getting, like, the whole side is fucking loved the whole segment. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I thought it was super violent, but it also really got Miro across as this fucking violent killer. I love it. And now we can move forward with him. Like, he's clearly right. officially done with Kip. We don't need to talk about him anymore. And, and on to... 
All I'm saying, Darby, Darby versus 10 in your main event where this is the fifth straight week uh, Darby's, I think, main evented with a TNT title defense. I think so. And I also uh, hit first, I think. Yeah, I agree. It was I did not uh, like it. Yeah, uh, it, it was not good. And I, I mean, we'll assume it's all on 10 because we've enjoyed Darby so far. But um, Darby hits a chop block to his injured leg, which doesn't really come across as a very face move. And then also attempts to rip the mask off at some point. So which tunnel did he go back through at the end of the episode? Just like uh, Penta and OC and everybody, they all exited through the face tunnel again. There are no baby faces and heels. There's just the tunnel for dudes Tony likes and the tunnel for Tony doesn't like. And then Cody's tunnel. Yes, and then Cody gets his own. Then Moxley's side tunnel. Wow, right. there's – yeah. Uh, what was like? Oh, I had something I was going to say. Damn it. We got the only thing I really got on this is just a dumb note. It's uh, I got annoyed because Darby's face paint basically ruined Ten's white mask like 10 seconds into the match. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. Okay, so the mask thing. Uh, Jason mentioned like where Darby was trying to tear the mask off. Here's the thing to all wrestlers. Uh, why would you take the mask off, turn it around? Then they can't see. Aha. So blind them and then punch them in the face. Somebody is speaking from experience of having worked with a mask, it sounds like. Right. <laughs> It is god-awful if that thing gets turned around on you. I've, <laughs> I've always wondered that about wrestling. Even when I was younger and, like, the heel would go after the, you know, like, Nitro and, like, the, any heel go after a Luchador's mask. I was just always, like, turn it around. Turn it around and you win the match. That's my little, that's my little rant. Sorry. Makes sense. Uh, so, af- after the match, uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky come out. Uh, and just so everyone knows, uh, Ethan Page is definitely wearing an outfit that I own. I mean, it is a salmon-colored polo and khakis with uh, with slip-on shoes. That is definitely a Jason original outfit there. Yeah, Made me feel like I was a part of the show. Do you have a, a friend that would be in the Scorpio Sky role here? Hmm? Um, beats up old men with face paint on? Yep, yeah, I, I actually have a couple friends that fit that uh, description. Huntington. That's part, part of the reason why Tim's not on the, on the podcast tonight is uh, oh, yeah. due to his extracurricular activities. Are we just going to say that he's uh, doing a court appearance for beating somebody up with face paint? Is that just the story yeah. we're going with? Yep. Bob Orton finally. <laughs> story in uh, air quotes. Yeah, I didn't really – I did not have a high rating on this match. It's probably the my least favorite Darby match in the history of AEW. Yeah, it was. I just – 10 is not ready for the spot they're giving him. Right. Not. You can keep telling us over and over again that Brody was training him and he was handpicked, but it yeah. – He's not ready for this. Like, he's just not that – he's not on this level. Right. So we get to the – that's the last match on the show, so we get to the end. The final count was 15 total segments. Ten of them were promos. Five were matches. Wow. Um, so so here's here's a new breakdown I did because the, the whole show just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, we had – Is it how many buses were on the episode? 
throughout the match, here's what we got. We got outside interference from Team Taz. We had a low blow that led to a finish. We had the mic used as a foreign object. We had a laptop and a chair used as foreign objects. A go-go came out and was outside interference. Ethan Page was outside interference. Only the women's match didn't have any actual gimmick involved in the finish. But Orange Cassidy was still out there throughout the match. There wasn't one match that was just a straight up bell to bell. We're, we're going to show off uh, the athleticism of our roster, anything like that. And and I think that that affected my personal uh, rating for the week. Like there is uh, one point of this that ties into something I'll talk about on the next episode. But honestly, I've noticed that there's lots of interference and extracurriculars going on with everything. But that almost reminds me of the Attitude Era. Have you gone back and watched like a 98 or 99 Raw? There's not a single fucking clean match on the whole episode. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back then, you never. Yeah, there was no such thing as a clean finish. I think uh, didn't the Bucks and Sidels? I mean, that that didn't have any interference, did it? Or not, no, that's uh, the one match, the one and only match on here, because the women did have Kip and OC uh, well, doing stuff it, outside the ring. It, it didn't. But it didn't have outside interference. But they did the Johnny Cage low blow behind the ref's back. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That led to the to led to the finish for the pin. So, but yes they're allowed because no. they're synergy with Warner. Mortal Kombat's a Warner. Yeah. I'm just glad that they didn't go into the match claiming it was a Mortal Kombat match, um, like they did with the uh, Kong versus Godzilla match, and just threw the randomness in there. I can't wait to see the tie-in for Space Jam. Uh, Shaq will be back. <laughs> So I'll, I'll go ahead and throw my rating out there first. I still – I had a 62 for this one. I mean, there were some dud matches, but the inner circle pinnacle promo thing really delivered, and there were a couple good matches. I really like the page and cage thing, the way that laid out. So 62. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to – I'll be right there with you. Same exact thing. The pinnacle and uh, inner circle promo just was amazing. Uh, the Brian Cage, Adam Page stuff was great. And then there was a couple promos here and there that I thought were like the Miro promo. It's right up there. So, yeah, I'll go 62. Oh, uh, pressure's yeah. on, Jason. Oh, well, I'm still lower than both of you, but not much. Uh, I'm I'm at a 55 uh, for the same reasons. The, the matches that weren't good, I didn't necessarily not like. So, they were all basically 5 out of 10 straight across the board. Uh, but the the beatdown on Kip, the the parlay as the Pirates would say, and, hey, and then the, and then the opening match all were a little bit better than how the rest of the show went. So I gave it just a little bit better than a mid level uh, score. So fifty five. Did uh, anyone happen to get Vance's ratings? No. We uh, try not to talk to him. So he had. <laughs> so. I- when we were going to chart or to Huntington that day, and the plan was to record that night, he had not watched the second half of the show yet. <laughs> when did he plan on watching the second half? He never planned on watching it, and that's why we canceled last week and why he still wouldn't do the show tonight because he still hasn't watched two weeks ago. <laughs> mm. Okay. Mm. That's not why he won't be here, but you might oh. be watching any of this. Uh, but he, he said he was going to try to watch it on the way down to Huntington, and then that just never happened. 
So I don't know what he would have done, but yeah. So I, we don't have a rating or anything from him. I'm gonna proclaim it was a 58. Gotcha. Chance's rating officially 58 for that episode. 262, 58, and a 55. So that was the April 28th edition of Dynamite. Now let's get to uh, what was the day of this one? The five five Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. Oh, for the Blood and Guts episode of AEW Dynamite. Wait, is it Blood and Guts or Nuts and Butts? Uh, well, is that what Tony Schiavone said? <laughs> he may have one or two times. Tony Schiavone. Yeah. So, uh, Draven, you, or both of you guys, you're probably going to have to do a little bit of uh, treating me like Tim for this one because I definitely think I missed some segments. Do you Good want job. me to uh, just just keep the roll ahead for the last episode? Yeah. I got it all down here. So, because I think I missed some promo stuff as I'm looking at this, but all right. So this is the Blood and Guts episode, and uh, um, before we get started, which uh, I find weird, but I guess I understand, the first hour of the show was taped three days before the show. This is what I was so about. To- oh, paid money if you bought a ticket, you went and the Blood and Guts cage was already set up, and you watched the first hour on the screen. And the reason for that, the building capacity could not. They're, uh, it's like sort of outdoors has a covering and stuff, but it's not rated to be able to hang the cage from it. So they had to have the cage set up when everybody got there. Mm. Yeah, so they were like issuing refunds. Interesting. You know? I think, uh, what was it? They offered them in the one site I read said that like five or six people. There weren't a lot of refunds that actually took them up on it. But there okay. were a few. Yeah, because I mean that whole first hour they were just the fans kind of watched it on monitors. So, but yeah, I mean, you got I don't know what they paid to get in, but you got a pretty twenty five bucks all tickets twenty five bucks for that episode. Oh well, fuck, okay, yeah, twenty five bucks and you got that cage match. Yeah, that's good. Right. And they got two live promos and two live. Oh, what the hell? What <laughs> ask for? All right, so. uh what are we kicking off with? Is it the Omega Nakazawa versus yes. King match? Okay. Yeah, so we get the, the, uh, the, the show, the TNT broadcast started with this really weird parental advisory that they've never done before. That just made me laugh. Oh, well, they've got blood and guts coming up, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we get Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa against Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and Justin Rock. Right off the bat, I have a note just saying he fucking annoys me. <laughs> just his his announcement of John Moxley's name just drives me insane. It's his John Cena announcement. I hate it. Right. Much. Your uh, name's John. You're getting that announcement. Or one, probably. Anyone's one. <laughs> From last episode where Eddie Kingston and Moxley got forced this match, I was not. You were what? Not, I was not a fan of this. Yeah, it did not come across uh, well to me either. My literal note says, blah, Jason's bored. <laughs> I wish, I don't know why they drug this out other than, I guess, to fill the first hour, but Omega should have never actually gotten involved. It should have been. It, I know it's, I know it's. On screen, they're really like saying this, but like it's true. Nakazawa is definitely the Japanese QT Marshall. 
Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I thought they should have had Omega basically just bail right from the get-go. And yeah, just because I agreed to be in the tag match doesn't mean I actually have to be in the tag match. Yeah. Right, that would have made sense. So uh, yeah. I have a note here that the crowd was mic'd really well, but I think that might be because they're playing it on a screen and like recording the sound of the live audience. So it was like oh. double, double mm. fucking audio. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was unnecessarily long. Uh, Could have got straight to the point, but, you know, I get whatever. Like, I still don't know what they're actually doing storyline wise i think i think they i think they moved it on over it's going to be probably the bucks versus uh mox and eddie kingston at the pay-per-view okay so and then that that makes more sense and and should be more enjoyable all right so after this uh yeah i think i missed something so what was after this i don't have a promo I, i have the next match was straight up uh QT Marshall versus Cody. Yeah, it, it went to commercial and came back as the next is the next match. That there, there was no pr- promote promos for the whole first two segments, which is crazy. Yeah. So okay, so we get the big Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall match. This peaks in the making. Uh, I uh, since the entrance tunnels are my gimmick. This is the first time ever Cody's let Arn Anderson come out of his entrance tunnel. It is about. Oh. What- <laughs> Really wish because I thought Arn was going to turn on him. Now I really wish he had. That'd be great if he gets to come out of that tunnel and then he turns on Cody. Uh, Agogo, when he came out, uh, definitely looked like a 1920s paper boy. I don't know if that's that like an England thing. <laughs> the, the, a newsie? Yes, a newsie. There you go. That's the term. Uh, the I, Arn I, Anderson spot. So. Arn gets involved with QT and they're like tussling around and Arn punches them. Like, how is that not a DQ? Yeah, right, with the ref standing right there. Out of him. Yeah, I mean, I guess because he's crazy old Arn. He's just right. a old man now. So I, I feel like Arn Anderson, just the way he looked during that whole thing, you could put him in any role that Clint Eastwood is doing these days and it would be the same movie. Like, how, he just looked like, like he just, like, you damn young kid coming out here. How depressed was Arn Anderson during this episode? They're hyping up war games. Uh, Tully's part of war games. He was one of the creators in the first war games. And all he has is a stupid coat, this stupid fucking QT Marshall match to be a part of. Right. I just realized, uh, are you guys familiar with, uh, so like Wolverine, the old fucking thing? Yeah. Please, yeah. I just now realized that Arn Anderson is kind of the old man Logan version of uh, uh, George from Seinfeld. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> That's yeah. a hilarious visual. Uh, huh. Yeah, so I, I, get, I, I get that the commentators have to put over what the story is, and I get the QT Marshall, but I felt like. JR and Tony like condemning QT Marshall for his actions were just so over dramatic. And there were, there was one specific spot I remember them grumbling, but so they do the sunset flip where ideally right. the person is pulling the guy standing's trunks down and his ass comes out. Yeah. Well, QT just straight up like grabs his own tights and like pulls them down himself as Cody's getting ready to start the spot. So it did not look good. 
And then JR just like forgot that he's calling him out on it. about <laughs> trying to make things look good and just called him out for how fucking horrible that was done. Yep. I have to go back and just listen for that. Yeah, no, I definitely had that note also. Like, that's, but that's not how that spot's supposed to work. And that JR really probably shouldn't have pointed out that he was pulling his own pants down. It well, was so weird. At one point, JR starts like towards the towards the uh, beginning, but he starts bitching about QT, and he says that QT's acting too big for his britches. He just got here, or uh, he's too acting too big for his britches because he in AEW. But cut out on that one. AEW the whole time. So like, why are we so mad at this guy for not wanting to just be Cody's buddy? Like, <laughs> why do we hate this guy because he more than? Well, I mean, I think it's because we all have eyes and have seen him work, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He's not going to get to that spot, but he can at least. It's okay that he wants it. Yeah, can't hold that against him. Yeah, when he when he goes to hit the power bomb during the match before the buckle bomb, and like messed it up the first time, and then had to repick him up, like. Match could have just ended right then, and Cody could have actually gotten got got busted open instead of having to do the weird blade job during a figure four. Oh, there was no blade involved, sir. Oh, really? Because I'm pretty sure everybody on this show they were like, "Wait until the camera's on me." Okay, now let me reach into my wrist tape. Explain to me. All right, so let's break this down for a second, since you said it that way. Explain to me what sense it makes to grab a razor blade and cut your own eye when you're putting a figure four on somebody. I rewound it twice because I was like, so what was not that I thought he got busted open the hard way, but I was like, what move happened that we were supposed to think? It was inadvertent because it was him doing a single leg takedown to QT and his eye rubbed up against QT's boots. So the edge of his boot just cut his eye open. That's all it was. It was an accident. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought, okay. Yeah. I thought maybe I did bleed, but I was like, I thought it was where it was on the boot. Yeah, he goes in for single leg takedown right before the figure four there and uh, just scrapes his face. I had to rewind it to check. That's what I thought happened, and I had to confirm it. But, yeah, nobody would blade there. What's the purpose? Then never mind. I take it back. No one on this show bladed. Everyone was busted open the hard way. There was no cutting. Up until this point, yes. (laughs) So what's up with the the level of finisher killing? They went for, like, a Barry Horowitz-level guy here. Cody hits the crossroads. Uh, what was the other one? A tombstone he hits on him and he kicks out? Like, what the fuck? How weird is it to see a tombstone without the taker arm cover? Where he folds his arms across your chest? If if you're going to hit the tombstone, I expect to see that part of the move, too. Well, then you're that's gimmick infringement. Like, a move is a move oh. when you do the guy's oh. mannerisms after it. <laughs> yeah, I have. So, uh, like, first of all, QT Marshall, you mentioned it, the powerbomb thing. Like, that was, it was impressive where he powered Cody back up. Uh, like, I did not expect QT Marshall to be, like, a fucking world's strongest man all of a sudden. Did he still <laughs> have the weight, the weight belt on at this point? Because that would explain it. I don't think... It... <laughs> okay. okay, okay, carry on. More in line with your point of, like, the finisher thing. Also, QT just struggled against Billy Gunn last week. And now he's out here, like, just beating the shit up. And... Didn't make any sense to me that he, he had a really tough time against old Billy Gunn, 
So like, yeah. Uh, the I thought the last few were really good though, but I honestly could have put QT over. I think. I don't think the actual goal of this is to make QT into anything. I think it's to give the other guys that they want to give time to in that stable just like a leader. Like Camarado, I think they see something in. Uh, Aaron Solo, I think they see something in, at least in a lower card guy. And they definitely see something in the newsy boy out there with his paper boy look with the, the belly punches. Yeah, That's why I thought that during the six-man tag the week before, they would give them a little bit more offense and let them show some stuff off. Since I assume that's where they're going is for us to actually care about those guys one way or another. What is their what do you think their plans are for Anthony Agogo? Like with his whole thing being he's gonna punch you in the stomach, that's it. Well, once that doesn't work for the first time, what are they like that's he's what are they gonna do with him? Man, I never thought of it that way, but that is a good fucking point. Once the first person doesn't go down to it, then everybody else is be like, Why the fuck should I go down to it? Yeah. Right over as soon as you yeah it's over the first time so then they're gonna do um aew underground and tony khan's gonna start running this uh underground sideshow and he can be a part of that tony khan no no they're gonna book jean claude van damme and he's gonna come in full blood sport mode oh that would be badass get some kubica (laughs) i know right (laughs) All right, so uh, yeah, so Cody goes over, and then they're setting up Cody and Anthony Agogo, which is actually going to be the pay per view match, I think, which is weird. Oh, they've already wow. blown through Co- uh, QT Marshall, I think. Well, wow. yeah, point. Like, I guess the QT Marshall thing is a good way to introduce the group, get them on TV, get people kind of with those guys, and then start moving forward. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so uh, up next for me, I have uh, the Scorpio Sky, like Ethan Page, that promo. I yep. think you're getting thrown off because there are so few promos. There's only six promos on this whole show. So you probably do have it correct. You're just okay. second guessing okay. yourself. So that's <laughs> up now. Yes. Okay. So uh, I thought Scorpio Sky's promo at the beginning where he he's the, was one of the worst things I've ever heard. Uh, what, what are you talking about? He had a Batman reference. His his fingers are clearly on the pulse of pop culture. I thought it was awful. Uh, <laughs> all, now, fair uh, disclosure, uh, I did have a gummy kicking in pretty hard when this promo started. So, with that in mind... Uh, player, I, player sponsorship from Haribo Gummies or whatever the hell they're called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I it's weird because I actually... I have a note that the promo was great, but that's not all the Scorpio Sky portion of it. His promo was trending pretty bad, but I did like the final line where he called Sting a bitch and all that. So I thought he at least made it decent by the end of it. And then when uh, Ethan Page started speaking, he's he's a very good promo person. He Yeah. Yeah. Page was really good. I did not see Darby attacking. That came out of nowhere to me. I don't know if I'm just because it was coming from the uh, the blind eye or whatever, but. <laughs> uh, so, again, maybe it was the gummy, but in, you know, if you guys would go back and watch, if you didn't notice, maybe to see if I'm right or not, uh, both Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky looked ridiculously silly when they were running. Like, 
neither <laughs> ran like a normal person. I will go back and watch that again. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything, but I don't doubt you. You're probably right. They probably did look weird, fucking trying to make the cell all the way over to that staircase, maybe. Well, Ethan Page had to run like 40 feet, so it was just awkward. Like he had to run so far. <laughs> but then Scorpio's guy just, I don't, I don't. I'll have to go back and watch it too. He just had like the weirdest motion, but. Darby getting thrown down the damn steps, like that was awesome. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a no fuck no to that stair bump if anyone ever asks me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Darby really needs to. Uh, we need to put him in contact with JD, so he can maybe like give up this whole silly wrestling thing and go do stunt work. That's where yeah. the real money is. He could be making some real money. Yeah, to do right. not like. I, I couldn't tell where they had like did any kind of editing. Like that just looked like he straight up got thrown, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he just yeah. took it. There was one point where he like flopped up and then actually pushed off of the side rail to get more momentum halfway down. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I, if I was still working, I would pay a promoter to let me feud with Darby because you're going to look like a million bucks. Coming out or you look like 10. One or the other, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that sucked. That dude, yeah. That. Hopefully that's his last main event for a while. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about Ethan Page and Darby. I think it should be, their stuff in Evolve was awesome. So It's funny that he referenced that they had this killer series of matches that nobody saw because it's kind of true. The matches mm-hmm. were killer and not a lot of people saw it. Yeah. Right. That was a good uh, if they let those two guys go, it should be awesome. So, I'm still not real sold on Scorpio Sky. Like, uh, just I like Scorpio Sky, but it's his whole thing now. Uh, up next, I have Britt Baker against Julia Hart. Not that Hart Julia. family, though. Even if she uh, is from Canada, it could it could be that Hart family. Uh, this was just a total squash. So, I mean, do you have any do you have any thoughts on it? I just had a – so she Brit hit a spling blade that looked like it straight up gave the girl a concussion. And then mm-hmm. after the fact, I started feeling bad for her because it almost looked like Brit was really laying it in and taking advantage of somebody that was too green to really know what was going on. Mm. Which may not be the case. Brit might have pulled her aside backstage and said, hey, I really got to fucking lay it in because I'm yeah. a shithead heel. I don't act like I'm calling Brit a piece of shit or anything, but – it looked very convincing, we'll put it that way. Uh, much much like um, with the Young Bucks, I I just don't like – she was playing way too much to the camera. I mean, even with it being a squash match, she's still like you're in there with a competitor. She just basically was like, I'm using this time to just stare at the camera and then I will hit a move here and there, but I'm not going to stop staring at the camera. One thing you should consider, the, the people that do that, though, like, it is actually a rule in WWE. You are not allowed to look directly into the camera and speak to it. So, like, that might be a note from management saying, hey, talk to the cameras. It's something the other guys don't do. Like, really, really ham it up. Oh, yeah. No, it just – it, it – and it's like the – like, she licked her lips at one point or was, like, smile like, whatever she was doing, the, the facial ex- also didn't go with, I'm a hardcore heat. Like, that – was what she was talking the last time we saw her. Um, 
maybe number one contender Brit is just more about staring at the camera and smiling. But I don't know. I just that took me out even more of the fact that it was just a squash. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, I really don't have it. I didn't really have much more. Up next, we have, I hope, a reoccurring segment, Technique with Taz. Where he just nonstop talks shit on Christian for leg day. Yeah, I, I like uh, I, I thought it was just a funny, funny way to like, – it was more interesting. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it too, and I said the same thing. Is it is this an old segment that I hadn't seen before for some reason, uh, or can this be a new segment that we see every week moving forward? Whether it's always about Christian or if he just starts doing it. I mean, there are more members of Team Taz, so technically he should be able to have three or four people that they're going up against at any point that he could be talking about. If I remember right, one of the first feuds that Brian Cage had when he came in, they did a technique by Taz where Taz just shit all over uh, whoever he was feuding with there in the beginning. That, sure. I hope they do it. I thought this was fucking hilarious, though. And it made sense. Like He didn't break kayfabe with what he was saying. The the points you're making made sense in the, the scope of a wrestling show, but they're also funny as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good. Good second. Uh, I like that if they're going, you know, if they're going to have so many promos, I hope they come up with some creative ways to do them so we don't need 40 backstage promos every uh so then we have a four-way tag match where the winners will face the bucks for the belts i have some issues with this match i do too uh we got varsity club against drastic drastic varsity club kevin sullivan and uh mike rotunda are out there what what are they varsity blondes the varsity blondes uh yeah, versus Ask Express. Same same versus the SCU versus the Acclaim. So, so here's a note about the Attitude Era that I brought up about the last show. So the the Acclaimed are straight up the 2020s version of the New Age Outlaws. If anyone's really caught it, you got the one that's got this whole fucking spiel. He'll come up with some creative shit to talk, like the Dark Side of the Ring line that he threw at Pillman was stiff as shit. But then you got right. this partner that's straight up like Billy Gunn that just has like two words to say after it. And I just, it's hilarious to me. I can see that. Yeah. That's a I got two words for you. Suck it. Something about the acclaimed. Like it's the same <laughs> fucking structure. Uh, so I, this match to me was completely pointless. Uh, yep. They, Agreed. They already told us SCU the number one contender. We already had SCU come out last week and basically Bucks, we're taking you on for the title. So like unnecessary and dumb if they're still gonna have to win a match to get there. But commentary only talked about SCU having to break up. So well there's the There was there was a note that might help you out with this that you might have missed. Uh on commentary, they did say these are the teams that are ranked one, two, three, and four, and that SCU wanted to earn the shot and not just be handed it. So they wanted to beat the other top contenders. Okay, I did miss them saying that SCU wanted them. Yeah, wanted to earn it like that. Okay, I missed that. So that makes it more sense. But I mean, if you're just going to talk about if SCU SCU loses, that's it. it pretty much just gave away the finish. Like I would have loved it if they would have had, like, the Varsity Blondes 
beat them. And you're like, oh, shit, okay. And then you have, like, Kazarian pissed off that Daniels said what he said, and now they don't get a tag title shot. But Well, it also means they'd have to break up forever. Yeah. I think they should have done – I agree with you. I think the – in most cases when you do – um, the predictable thing, it's the right thing. But in this case, like, it's so fucking predictable. You should have done something different. And I think they should have had Kaz fucking have some sort of miscommunication and wig out and cost them the match. Go with somebody else getting the shot and give Daniels and Kaz a fucking story to let Daniels ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would, like, yeah, I just, Daniels cannot have that much long, like, longer left in wrestling. So, yeah, like a nice little thing with him and Kazarian on the way out would be really good. This was a good way to set it up. I mean, yeah, and, seriously, now they're going to win the tag belts from the Bucks. Like, I just can't see that happening. So, this all just – I don't know. I didn't well, like it. Like you said about Pillman being the one to go over. So, they put – he was the one that got pinned after they just did the – as you said, the intro where they referenced the dark side of the ring, which was clearly a personal dig. And then they said that he was wearing his dad's old gear. Like they, the commentators were kind of playing it up to where, well, maybe. And then three seconds Jason, later. Hold on one second, Jason. If you went to work and were wearing your dad's pants, would you perform better at work? <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> so there we go. I'm just. Some real world not, context to what you said. It's, it's not about the performance. It's about the dedication of, well, look what he's doing in honor of his dad that is getting so much talk about this week. And so. Okay, would you win like an employee of the month just because you're wearing your dad's pants or something? Like, well, I maybe. get. Well, maybe. you never know. You never can tell. So the finish, what the fuck were. What's that, what's that move supposed to be? Because to me, it looks like Christopher Daniels moonsaults nothing. It's the, okay, so the Melter driver that the Young Bucks do, when they were feuding with the Young Bucks in Ring of Honor, Daniels would hit, like, a sweet-ass, his BME, the double-bounce moonsault, but he would flip over the top of Kazarian and push down on the guy's ass. And I just think because a lot of years have passed and Daniels a little older, they do it safer where Kazarian's sideways for it instead of facing okay. away from him so it doesn't look as good. Okay, yeah, I was just like, it just to me, it was a bad bump for Daniels, I thought. He kind of like bumps to nothing and hits the ropes because they're kind of too close to the corner. It was, it was finish, I thought. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so, side note about the, at least the competitors in this match. Uh, this week they announced the new uh, action figure line for AEW. And there is a, I don't know if it's ringside collectibles, but someone has an exclusive online Jurassic Express box set that is Jungle Boy on Luchasaurus's shoulders. And that's how it's in the package. And it looks really nice. So hopefully um, one of you will get that for me. I feel <laughs> safe saying that Vance would be very happy with this moment in the show because he would be pointing out that Marco Stunt's not part of that set. He is definitely not. It is just the two of them. But um, yeah, but yeah, they're in full-on entrance uh, position. Well, I mean, you know, just... Hope Santa is listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was the most awkward thing we've ever had on the podcast. Jason, oh. if it's weird, <laughs> fuck Santa. Uh, this, oh. uh, uh, I'm I'm super excited. This uh, 
we have a little promo putting over Yuji Nagata and Moxley. Right? Yeah, this was really fucking good, I thought. I mean, it's just a them showing clips thing, but it just it hit for me. I liked it a lot. I fucking loved Yuji Nagata and WCW. Uh, so I didn't even realize he was still working, but I am oh. I am so fucking down for Moxley and Nagata. Yeah, and Nagata has been a this whole time he's worked with New Japan. Yeah, I mean, I assumed he was still in the business, but I just thought he was. I didn't think he was. I know. So all I know, I haven't like followed him exclusively, but I have watched Little New Japan at some point in like the late two thousands, early two thousand tens. Didn't he have a run as IWGP champion? I don't know. I'm I pretty believe, sure he had at least one or two so, runs. Yeah. yeah. Well, so as so you guys are or Jason's kind of our New Japan guy here. Uh, have they been doing something with these two guys in Japan? Well, so with the lockdown, things have been a little different. Um, but New Japan is now doing New Japan Strong, which is like the U.S. branch. Um. And so they have at least been playing back and forth with things. Uh, it was a promo, I believe. I don't know that they've ever actually been in the ring uh, together to build this. I think it was just a promo where they were talking about each other. Uh, where, Well, Moxley says it, where Nagata called him a punk, basically. Um, and that they want their belt back is, is really where it boils down to. One small note that's going to make this even better. Uh, they are doing a live dynamite next week. They didn't do the back to back this week because of the setup with War Games. So next week's mm-hmm. episode is a live one with Nagata versus Moxley. Oh, that's. Uh, uh, and uh, is Violent Gentleman the name of Moxley and Kingston's tag no. team? He's always no. wearing. The, he wears that hoodie every day. It's like a, a faving, a famous clothing line. Yeah. It's not that famous. I didn't know. Hockey send, me, send me something. 66% of the podcast currently has heard of it. So Yeah, it's oh. related too, so you should know it. Huh. Uh, I just found that uh, Jurassic Express box set. It is badass. Uh, Santa, I also want one if you're listening. There we go. Uh, somebody get one for Marco Stunt because it'll be funny when he sees he's not in there. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, we're all looking forward to Nagata and Mox. Uh, if they're working each other next week, I'll go ahead and give that episode a rating of 100. Uh, <laughs> so, let me see. Now we go live to the building for the first time tonight. Okay. Decided you were going to do it by yourself. No, apparently my phone has like, uh, I don't know, it looks like it's probably an hour or two hour inactivity. It shuts off. Oh. Or it just like closes out whatever is going on. Interesting. Yeah, the screen just randomly, like, it just went black on me, cut out the same time it did for you guys. Hmm. All right, well, let's... Draven gets on here, let's pick right back up. Right. Well, at least it was a good stopping point. Oh, is it, uh, is it uploading with the preamble attached like it did before? No, so it's it's, it's just processed. I have published it. Okay, cool, cool. But I'll go through and edit everything. So I'll put these two together. Uh, what was the last thing we said? We're going live now or something like that. Something like that. Okay. Uh, 
oh, we yeah. go to the building for the first time live or whatever because it was. So yeah, so hey guys, we had a weird little uh, audio cut out there. I don't, we don't know what happened. Uh, the app. I, so we're back though. Um, All I know is Santa's always listening and he's fucking with us. <laughs> yeah, we we've asked for too much tonight from Santa. Uh, so yeah, uh, blood and guts episode dynamite, and we are now live in the building. Uh, second hour of the show. What do we start out with? Uh, Miami Vice Kenny Omega comes on out to the stage to talk about who he's going to face at the pay-per-view. Yeah. So, uh, I have a note here that just says, I want to see Omega versus Pac really fucking bad, but I hope they end up making a triple threat. I don't remember anything about what happened, so I don't know what I'm talking about. They announced that um, next week on Dynamite, Pac faces Orange Cassidy because they're the number one and two ranked wrestlers. And yeah. the winner of that faces Omega at the pay-per-view. Then Orange Cassidy came on out, and they basically shot the angle to let you know that it's Orange Cassidy. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like, all common sense, or all, like, uh, well, pass booking, too, they've always kept Pac strong. So, like, you going to win that promo. Yeah, that's up that, well, maybe Orange Cassidy is going to win. Uh, but I do hope they make it a triple threat. That would be sweet. I, uh... I kind of started out with an ugh feeling when uh, Orange Cassidy came out, because like you, I'd rather see Pac versus Omega, but as the promo built, I was kind of cool with it. They they sold me on the match, and I'd be okay with uh, Omega versus Pac, or I mean Omega versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah, same here. Uh, Jason, you got anything for this? Uh, Jason? Oh, shit, did Santa get him? That damn Santa. <laughs> Hold on, his shows were connected. Yeah, he's in the room. He's just listening. Santa must have marked him. Marked him. Okay, well, yeah, Jason. Yeah, that, yeah, there. yeah, hey. That was weird. Did you fight Santa off? No, but I could hear you guys the whole time. I don't know what was happening. Strange. Without um, Tim, so without Tim, the uh, technology side of this goes off the damn rails. Right, exactly. That's what he brings to the table. Uh, I just like that... Uh, Kenny starts out basically by why even have Orange Cassidy a part of this if, and then speak talking Pac up. But then, like you said, Omega, once Orange Cassidy gets out there, it just made me – I'm like, I'm okay with seeing that match now. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I mean, they could turn it into a three-way. Um, we'll just see how – I assume if – Kenny only wants uh, Pac to be the one that he fights, then one of his goon squad will get involved in the one-on-one next week that will lead to a disqualification so that then suddenly um, Teddy Long's going to call for a triple threat player. Holla, holla. Yeah, I hope your booking's right there. Uh, So then after this, we uh, get Miro, right? Yep, Miro comes out, talk about how he gets a TNT title shot, whether Darby can show up or not. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of assume that Miro is going to be the one to take the belt off of Darby. So it looks like they might be going in that direction. I could see that, too. Uh, just because it makes sense, Miro can go off and do title defenses that don't need a long, drawn-out story. And Darby could go off and do the Ethan Page thing, and that doesn't need the TNT title. Yeah. Yeah, that was my note. As long as they, they continue, it just seems weird that they had already played up Darby and Ego, <laughs> Ethan Page, earlier in the night. And then they're like, ah, but Miro's clearly going to win the belt. 
and his line of the the man who doesn't mind dying meets the man who doesn't mind killing him, perfect. Yeah, really. Yeah, that was a killer line. Ooh, literally. Oh, oh I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be really good. Are they going to be? Did they already announce them for next week? Is that what this was? Yeah. Yes. So, got Darby coming in injured, and you got like just a sadistic, ruthless Miro. So that should be. Pretty good TV. Mm-hmm. So now we get what the uh, entire night's been building up to. We get the blood and guts match, which is WCW War Games uh, the way it's supposed to be. So let's real quick out of the, uh, I think, get this out of the way. Uh, the bump at the end sucked, and they should have done way better with, with filming it. Right, the production of the bump at the end sucked. Yeah. Mean, we've seen that same bump from any number of other superstars across any number of other companies, but having the paint job to make it look like it was steel, like, did they not try it once? Not necessarily Jericho, but someone else just try it to make sure they had the best angle for it. Um, yeah, I felt like it was really unfortunate. I think we've lost Draven the same way we lost Jason. No, I'm here. I'm just listening. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing he, with you guys. He doesn't agree. No, the bump, yeah, the bump I, was a good way to end it, but not a good way to film the bump. Like, right. You get the underneath angle, so you can't tell that the top layer of that thing is just cardboard with a steel diamond plate printed out on regular paper and taped to it or whatever they did. And, man, it really, really sucks. Like, so now – both of AEW, like their two biggest things from this year, have both had a, left a sour taste in their mouth because of a little production error at the. Yep, this and the exploding barbed wire match were ninety percent amazing, and that last ten percent, the finish just left yep. everybody on a sour note. So, mm-hmm. so I think we're in agreement then that that's maybe the only really bad thing about this match. Yeah, I fucking loved the match overall. Yeah, I, I had no – I don't think I had any issues with the match, um, the way it Starts went Starts out with uh, Pinnacle coming out in the all-white matching gear because you know they're going to get blood all over it. Fantastic. The babyface team all have prison jumpsuits with their hometowns on the back of it. Yeah. Uh, Ortiz and Santana have war paint on. Uh, and Tony Schiavone, keeping with his good uh, 90s pop culture references going on throughout the night, uh, said they're in dead president's mode because that's kind of what the makeup that they wear on the box of the movie Dead Presidents. Well, there, from- there's a funny backstory there. So they wore the face paint in the uh, street fight, I believe, and nobody mentioned anything about it. And it's because Tony Schiavone's obviously never seen that movie. It's not in his wheelhouse. Wow. So they had to go to him and explain what it is, and that's why he was, like, so over-the-top explaining it. <laughs> that is what it is. It's Ed President. So they straight-up stole it from the movie. Wow. Uh, really, really good line right off the bat is where they put over that Dax is starting because Tolly picked him because, according to Tolly, he has the best gas tank. Uh-huh. Just awesome that, like, they said a couple weeks ago that Ollie was doing homework for the match. That's why he wasn't there. And they immediately pay that off by putting over top strategy. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'll fight anyone that disagrees. 
the opening fi- uh, five with Dax and Sammy Guevara is the best opening five minutes in War Games history. Uh, you're probably right. It was yeah. Like- without doing any research, I will agree with that. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I you honestly, I kind of got lost in just those two at the beginning. Like once I realized, oh shit, this is a War Games. There's other guys coming in. Yeah, like because it was so good. Yeah. What do we get? We get uh, first one in on the heel side is everybody's favorite, Sean Spears. Sean Spears. I have no notes about that. Is that weird? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was weird that, uh, like, I would have, I would, I wish they would have continued the Tali strategy thing because I wish they would have explained why, like, Tali Spears at number two because to me, uh-huh. and then Dax's partner. Maybe going on when you're booking a wrestling show, you always want to put a real good match on first. But the second match, you always just put like your shitty match on to get it out of the way. All right, first match is so good, and then you want to bring him back down for the third person to bring him back up. Yep, that's exactly okay. Perfect, thank you. (laughs) That that's the exact explanation I needed. Uh, there was a Spanish fly spot. Oh my god, fucking amazing! So Uh we. I think fourth, I think second for the baby faces, we got, was it uh, Swagger? It was yeah. Ortiz. Ortiz, okay. Uh, I forget how they set the Spanish flag up now, but it was across ropes. Spears was on one set of ropes, uh, Sammy was on the other, and then one of Santana Ortiz threw a chair at Spears and pushed him onto the next set of ropes, and Sammy hit that Spanish fly. Yeah, and, and it, it was just... Crystal fucking perfect bump. Yeah, and Sammy hit a double springboard the same way RKO that looked really good, too. Unfortunately, Sammy went to the well one too often, and right after the Spanish fly, he went to do a double spring spot that just didn't work. It didn't work out well. Uh, I, I, I think this is about the time of the first commercial break. I hated that they had commercial breaks during this. Yes. There were such important story beats that happened during the commercial. Like Ward, those entrance was during the commercial. Tully uh, hitting the ref and stealing the key was during the commercial. There was a lot of important shit that happened during the commercials. So, yeah, was something else bad about this match. But, again, it was a production thing. So, once they're all in there and they go to their final commercial break, it was super jarring to come back to, like, the whole ring's fucking destroyed out of nowhere. Like, they ripped up the mats and the canvas, and it wasn't that way when they went to commercial. Yeah, and all they said was that that was Pinnacle did it. Like there was no. It's clearly to set up that the the double assisted power driver, but. Uh, so what's at some point? Whenever Hager first came or came to the match, that dude was fighting for. He hit a boot <laughs> on Cat that could have ended the match. <laughs> yeah, he beat the shit out of everyone. Like. He forgot that, like, he's used to when he's in a cage, it's real. He just right. wasn't thinking. Yeah, I loved him in this match. I thought he brought, I mean, everybody in it brought, like, realism. But he, to me, was above and beyond. Like, I thought he was ready to murder the other guys. Uh, the match did make me think that uh, I really wish that Ricky Starks was in Sean Spears' uh, position. 
Mm. Oh, that'd be so much better. I think Ricky Starks would have really shined in this match. Like, I, I, th- he just as I was watching, it, I was like, man, I wish Ricky, I wish. Uh, so yeah, we get the uh, the tear apart the ring. Eventually, Jericho. Sure. And- when it's time for the last commercial break is when, uh, so Tully gets the key, MJF escapes, and he starts climbing up. But Jericho starts chasing up while we're still in commercial, and he's getting word from the refs that we're still in commercial. Wait to go up until the fucking they come back. So Jericho's literally climbing for like three hours. He's just sitting there posing on the side of the cage until they come back from commercial. It was the worst. Yeah. Yeah, just I, Tony, like they could have paid the money to not like lose the ad revenue for an hour. Well, that's not them. That's TNT gets that stuff. They don't. They don't get to do that. Probably put up the money for it though. Like, just here you go. That's true. He could have just said, "Hey, can we do a commercial-free episode, and we'll pay for all the ads? You'll still be whole." Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. So, uh, yeah, it kind of kept taking me out of the match. Like, it was, but nothing. You know, no fault of these guys involved. Everybody, I thought. Yeah. Uh, there was also a really good gory special against the side of the cage. Oh, that one was brutal because after he took the bump, he fell down he underneath fell, the cage. Yeah, like, all the way stuck. to the ground. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Spears looked good this match. Like, he was the one that had that spot. Uh, you know, the way he sold the Spanish fly. Yeah, I thought Spears looked pretty good in this match. I agree. There was one awkward spot where uh, everybody was taking shots at uh, Wardlow, and then he just takes off running for Hager. Or the opposite, or maybe Hager takes off running for him. Yeah, Hager charged at him because he was uh, he wanted to catch him in the F5, but he kind of stumbled over and everybody fell down and he just picked him back up. I mean, yeah, it was impressive that he could just stand right back up with him. I mean, that's – like he powered him right back up. But it was an awkward spot. But, uh, yeah, I think so. We're on top of the cage now. We got MJF and Jericho. And uh, Jericho, he starts – MJF starts going after his hand, doesn't he? They, uh, Jericho does the lion tamer for a minute, and then MJF reverses it, hits him with the punch with the diamond ring, and then he puts him in his armbar gimmick. I didn't think that – so as much as I enjoyed everything in the cage, like when Jericho puts him in the the walls, the lion tamer, whatever, like there was – like he – I don't know if it was due to being blown up or what, but it, it wasn't even like he was trying to crank on it. He was just kind of sitting there, and there was no – sell of how bad it was hurting with the blood all over MJF's face. It could have made for a great visual. It oh, also, could have, yeah. it, it, it just kind of seemed there was no, my note was there was just no drama with it. That's like, a very good it, point. They it, could have mirrored the uh, Austin and the sharpshooter bleeding spot with that. They it really could have. Exactly. And, and I'm sure that they wouldn't have had the right camera angle for it. So that would have been my uh, note then, but the way it was, it was just kind of like, all right, you lay down and I'm going to pull on your legs and we're going to sit here until you flip me over and then hit me with the ring. Is that fair to say, even though they're 50 feet in the air? Yeah. I mean, maybe Jericho just assumed they were at a commercial break again. Like, hey, don't. <laughs> <laughs> now that could be. Uh, so we get uh, MJF. Like Jericho kind of going over towards the edge of the cage. MJF grabs him him off if the uh, rest of the doesn't uh, submit. Same. So to the, the idea here is basically 
you fucking give up now or I'm going to kill this guy. So Sammy's like, well, I don't want my boy to die. So yeah, we quit the stupid wrestling match. Sure, don't kill him. Yeah. So yeah, Sammy Guevara calls it off. Supposed to save Jericho. But then, shit asshole, MJF. Uh, I like. I love that he just kind of. Sh- I thought that was really good. Instead of like kicking him off. I just like one. One thing I didn't like about the whole setup, though, it was very awkward from the time that the bell rang. Like, everybody knew Jericho was still going to get thrown off, and they just – they took a long time, and it was meandering, and it just – it was not – they didn't fill their time well in this spot. Yeah. No, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Um, We know that the final shot ruined it with the cardboard, but was there actually a shot that was like a crane shot or something – that showed, oh, God, if he throws him right there, he's going to land on steel? Or was it always from Guevara's angle up where he was, where he finally said, we, we submit or whatever? Um, like, was there ever the drama of, oh, God, he's not going to throw him off onto a table. We've seen that before. But he's really going to throw him off onto the metal stage. Because we have seen people get power bombed on the entryway. You know, we've seen those kind of, legit hurtful moves happen, but it just didn't also, I didn't realize that at least I didn't realize that, Oh, that's supposed to be steel that he's throwing him off on. It's also and weird so- too because of the, the layout of the spot. So you got the one side facing the crowd. The cage is legitimately humongous. It's like 25 feet tall to yeah. go from there to the ground is a big fall. But right. then you have that daily place of stage. That's like 15 feet tall. So it's only a 10-foot fall from the cage to the stage. So right. I think they just shot it from the Sammy view, like looking up to try and, oh, God, look how high the cage is. Yeah, Got not it. make it seem. I, uh, it was just not shot well. There's no way to sugarcoat it, really. I really didn't think they even needed to – like, I kind of hate that they even bothered with this whole thing. I really wish it would have just ended in, in the ring – some way, like I don't know. I mean, I I like the image of MJF on top of the cage, bloody. I got like uh, I don't know why, but I got like CM Punk vibes. Like MJF just owned the entire moment. Uh, Would your opinion of that final spot be any different had they put uh, some sort of landing device on one of the other three sides to where he's really falling far? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Maybe, like, to me, it was just kind of, like, unnecessary. I thought they could have come up with a more creative finish to keep it in the cage. Like, I kind of, like, I felt like they went the WWE route of, like, let's have a big stunt instead of, that's, like, just, just end in the ring. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good That's a good point. It, as long as Tony Khan doesn't become the new Shane McMahon. Um <laughs> It's like, I could jump off that. Shane McMahon wishes he could be the new Tony Khan and have, like, actual money and stuff. <laughs> uh, overall, the match I thought was awesome, though. Uh, so, the first time, as I watched it live, I actually didn't like it. Uh, really? The next day, I was talking to some of the guys in our uh, the Violence Academy group chat, and I said, I was like, yeah, I didn't think it was very good. And every, it just blew Like, everybody I heard, had read review it or whatever and said it was great so I went back and watched it and really fucking loved it so like I think the first time I was just already half asleep 
But I, the mat, everybody blew it out of the ball. Like everybody just hit it out of the ballpark. Uh, Guevara looked great. Wardlow looked great. Like everybody involved looked awesome. Not that every time we talk about AEW do we need to compare it to WWE, but this instance, compared to all the war games that uh, NXT has had, in this one, I truly feel like every single person that was in this match stood out at a different point in time. Can you say that about any of the NXT war games? Like, there's a couple cool spots that have happened, but, like... Yeah, no, the NXT ones, even when they were, like, um, Undisputed Era, it still was all just about Adam Cole. Like, and his buddies. Like, this, everybody felt like they had a reason to be in the match against someone on the other side, and everyone was able to get in their spot. Maybe I just have a terrible memory, but out of all the war games NXT has done, I remember two spots. Ricochet doing the double moonsault off the top of the cage, and Dakota Kai turning heel during her entrance. Those are the only two spots there. Oh, and uh, Cole taking the kryptonite crunch off the top through a, through a bunch of tables from Champa. Yeah, yeah. All I got. Uh, there was one oh. with the women's where uh, they put a trash can over uh, whoever, and she jumped off the top with a trash can on her onto the pile. Well, that that demonstrates my point. You just said whoever. You don't really remember. You don't really care. Well, she had a trash can on her head, so I can't. I can't get a facial with that. So, Shotzi. Uh, we'll say it was Shotzi. Yeah. Uh, I think it was actually Eo. Oh well. I think they did something with Shotzi. And this is not the NXT review show. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tune in tomorrow for yeah, NXT. We can't even get this thing done without having to piece it together because <laughs> of fuck-ups. Uh, yeah, this game, I mean, so I'm just going to call it War Games. Uh, the match beyond. It was very weird that they kept, like, referencing the original War Games, but they were talk- but they had to call it Blood and Guts. But, yeah, so this one felt, this felt like one of the, like, the guys were here because they needed to settle something that couldn't be settled in a normal match. They beat the shit out of each other. Like, the mm-hmm. NXT ones are mostly spot fests. This was a fight. Agreed. Right. Yeah, a real a unfortunate finish, but still great. I, I like the story beat they were going for. Sammy cares too much about Jericho. He doesn't want him to die. Just unfortunate the way that it came off and was shot and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked as a finish. Uh, like you said, Sammy cared enough. And it's great, like, MJF, reason why Jericho kicked Sammy out. But, you know, realized the error of his ways, got Sammy back, and Sammy's still hanging in there for him. Like, it was just, it's yeah, it's really good storytelling. So, uh, overall, who wants to start with their overall score? Our uh, segment total, 11 total segments. There were five matches and only six promos this episode. All right. Four hour-long matches. I know, right? (laughs) I will go first. I fucking loved War Games. I probably shaded my opinion on the show, but I went 70 overall. War Games was good. The Darby segment was really fucking good. I really liked Miro's promo and his killer line about being a killer. So, I mean, the the four-way tag was fine. Nobody... Nobody looked like they didn't belong, even though we knew what the finish was going to be and stuff. And I mean, Cody bled on accident. That's cool, too. Right? <laughs> uh, okay, I have this at a 75. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, the war games felt like war games. and I, It was great. 
the Miro segment, uh, setting up for him and Darby. Looking forward to that. Finding out that you fucking Nevada was going to be on Dynamite. Uh, yeah, getting the finding out I get to see him wrestle again. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely 75. Um, if it wasn't for, uh, like I thought the, the four way was pointless and I didn't like the QT Marshall Cody stuff. So, like, that would have without those things, it would have definitely pretty damn close to like a 90 something. But those two brought it down. Yeah, uh, I actually agree with Cash. I had a 75 and it definitely was weighted heavy in that last hour. Uh, loved the top to bottom. It was one of those uh, throwbacks to my youth. Back in my day, we had these things called VHSs, right, kids? And uh, we used to watch the the real war games uh, over and over again. Um, so that it was a good good throwback for me personally. Um, I enjoyed most of the promos this month, this week, which is strange. Um, I don't know if it's just because there weren't as many, but, um, the beat up and, and the, uh, throwing down the steps with Darby, the, the team Taz technique promo. I really liked, uh, Miro with his killer line. Um, don't lie. You gave 10 points extra just for Julia Hart. And I was going to say, and you, you guys already know, when we decided to wait an extra day to uh, to record this, I told you I was going to go back and try to fit in the Brit-Hart uh, match again a couple more times. Um, so I did not care at all about the Cody-QT match, if that's supposed to be the blow-off for their finish after the, for their whole thing. I'm fine with that. We don't need to see QT again for a while. Um, and just let him go, and he, he can be the new Tully of that stable and doesn't really have to be in the ring anymore. Um, the opening with Mox and Kingston, like I said, was just blah. The four way we knew who was, who was going over going into it. Uh, but yeah, all, all of the promos actually helped um, keep the score up there. So yeah, I gave it a 75 also. It's only three of us rating this one, but I'm pretty sure this is the highest overall rating between the three of us. I think, yeah, consensus, yeah, average out. Yeah, I think it had to be. I'm just going to say Vance goes with a 70 just to just get it out there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know how he felt about this. He didn't send me any notes or anything. He probably didn't I, watch it, to be honest. As I say, he probably didn't watch it because he already had known that he was he might not be on the show. Yeah. Slacker. If he watched it, he would have sent you texts raving about at least the war games, I would right. feel. Okay, so not next week then. We got – Darby versus Miro for the TNT title. You know, Bucks versus uh, SCU. Bucks versus SCU. Mox versus Nagata. OC versus Pac for the number one contendership. Okay. And in Sounds front of a live good. audience. Yes, and it's a live one. All right. Should be an awesome episode. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. And, yeah, we'll be back. Hopefully, all four of us uh, will be back to review – the May 12th edition of Dynamite. So until then, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Later.